Uh, welcome to the Unified CXM Experience, and I am your host, Grad Khan, uh, CXO, Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler. And today I have a very special guest. I'm joined by Annie Wisner, and she's the CMO at Whisper. And so uh, this will be uh, an interview show. We're going to talk a lot about transformation, which is going to be really fun. That'll be sort of the general theme of it. Uh, we're going to touch on how to be the best representative of your own product. Uh, you've heard me talk about this before, and he's got a great soapbox on this one as well, so we'll probably jam out on that for a few minutes. And then we're going to get into AI, low-code, no-code, and you know, sort of talk about how marketing is changing in really cool and interesting ways, which is sort of how we generally roll here at the Unified CXM Experience. So, Annie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brad. Happy to be here today. I am so excited to have you here. Uh, you know what? What's um, I really wish, in some ways, we'd recorded the sort of pre-show where we basically <laughs> spent half an hour talking about Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting conversation. It was. You know, maybe we'll do another show sometime where we just talk about Disneyland. But anyway, um, so what I think would be helpful for everybody is maybe if you could just spend a few minutes, you know, just introduce yourself, but also. Talk about Whisper and what you do there, and then we'll we'll dig into sort of some of our marketing hobby horses. You bet. So um, as you said, I'm Annie, and I've been in the B2B technology marketing game uh, since 1996. Uh, started with Oracle, worked at Microsoft nice. for 11 years, uh, loved it, uh, yeah. tried to figure out how to be a, a marketer living in Denver, and ultimately right. landed on being head of marketing. And uh, today I'm with Whisper. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, Whisper is spelt W-I-S-P-I-R. W-H-I-S-P-I-R. You were close. W-H. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, I, I actually, <laughs> sorry. I'm still learning okay. to spell. W-H-I-S. Same. So it's like, just like Whisper, but it's an I instead of the E. Yeah. Uh, see, my sprinkler context, I we always drop the vowels and so it would be like we would spell whisper without the i right ah. um but big, partly because we couldn't really afford too many vowels or expensive <laughs> back then um but they but anyway so whisper so let's talk tell talk tell everyone what whisper does and and what the sort of yeah, mission vision kind of what you're all trying to make happen yeah so so whisper is a communications intelligence platform so it it truly integrates communication across any channel voice email, SMS, um, with the idea of really creating more meaningful connections. So if you think about the name, when I was, when I was studying for my interview, I was thinking, why, why whisper, you know, why are they calling it whisper? And our founder, Jeremy Wells, who actually is an architect by trade and, hmm. uh, he like a physical architect, like a building. Yeah. Architect? Yeah. And he's, oh, he's an art lover okay. and, um, hmm. You know, cool. he's really passionate about design. Anyways, um, the concept is that if you are uh, able to have that human connection with someone, you don't need to shelve. You can kind of oh. lean into their body space and you can whisper and they'll hear you. And yes. I think that this, I think it's such a brilliant name and such a brilliant statement because we've yeah. never been in a, in a louder, <laughs> more digitally crowded time than we are. And, uh, so yeah, that's a little bit of the history on the name. Oh, that's fascinating. It's almost like, um, well, whisper is such a great word. Mm -hmm. 
uh, just generally, because you tend to whisper when you're in an intimate situation or yeah. you tend to whisper, like it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a neat word. It's a, it's closer, more connected. It's awesome. It's so intimate. Who do it's you, intimate. Yeah. It's intimate. Yeah. Very much. Um, you know, like if I was whispering to you right now, like this is immediately people like change the way they listen as soon mm -hmm. as they start to hear that. So who do you compete with or is like, what's the category that whisper competes in? So we are a CPAS company. So we communicate, we compete with companies like message media, um, uh, podium, um, uh, there's, 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 there's so many of them. It's, it's, there's a mm. list of a hundred of them. crowded space. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a pretty crowded space, but, but we are unique in the space and that, um, our, our whole mission is to, to drive the world's highest engagement through our platform. So, so we're really about, um, okay. not necessarily helping people send huge volumes of messages, but helping people send the right message to the right person through the right channel at the right time. So, and yeah. do you have like a product led growth motion? Can I just play with whisper and check it out or how to, how do people like learn more about the product? Yeah, we do. And, and I mean, you could learn, we just launched our new website, so you could okay. check out our website. Um, uh, you know, we, we also, obviously you could get a demonstration if you wanted to see something closer to it, uh, you know, get more detail on it. And, uh, but yeah, we've, we've definitely focused on our new vision and mission and, uh, product strategy on the website. So, yeah. That's awesome. How long have you been at Whisper? I've only been at Whisper since January 10th. Wow. And you got a new website out already? Well, the website was launched prior to me arriving and okay. uh, I'm pretty excited about it. It's, it's, it's really, you should have just taken credit for it. Actually. I, I should have said, Hey, yeah, you know what? That was, a, I gave you a softball there. You did. That was so Three weeks easy. end to end done. Yeah. You're like, actually we <laughs> wanted to do it in my first week, but I thought, you know, yeah probably give it an extra week just in case that was a okay so so you I dropped so, that one. so yeah it's okay it's okay i'll send you other softballs Thank don't you. worry i got a whole <laughs> machine full of softballs here Wonderful. <laughs> that's great well that's well congratulations that's awesome Thank that's you. awesome so um so let's so let's talk a little bit about marketing in general and and you and i were chatting a little bit before the start of the show about um, what we sort of, sort of see as challenges. So you're in a new organization, you know, four years ago when I started at Sprinkler, almost, almost exactly four years ago, actually, I'm, I'm about a month or so away, I think from my original start date. And so, you know, what I, what I find surprising, uh, when I move into new marketing organizations, which I don't do that often, but you know, when I've moved into new organizations, what I always find surprising slash shocking or maybe puzzling and I don't think I'm ever going to necessarily know the answer to why this occurs is that many, if not most of the people on the team don't know how to use a product or have never used the product or don't have even logins. So we talked to this a little bit. You found the same thing. Let's, yes. let's chat about this. What is going on? And then maybe I'll let you take the lead on why you think this is such a problem. Mm -hmm. um, what's going on is that I think people get caught up in the minutia of activities and they're not necessarily thinking about, the purpose of, of, of their role and the purpose of the business, right. which is to serve the customer. And how do you do that? You solve their problems with technology designed uh, to help them. <laughs> um, so I think, I think people get caught up in, I've got to get these emails out. I've got to, I got to sponsor this event. Um, 
you know, generate mm. MQLs and sales qualified pipeline. And, and they sort of, they think, oh, I'll figure out the product later. And, uh, you know, I'll talk to the customers later and um, I'll log in later. And they just don't prioritize it. That's well, my take. I found that when people are in that situation, when they're not using the actual product to do things. Um, so when did you learn to drive? Uh, 15. Wow. Where are you from? Minnesota. <laughs> ah, did you hear course. that? I was going to say, Minnesota. that sounds like a mid, I heard that. Uh, that sounds like a, that's a Midwest thing. There's 15s that kind of, okay. So I was well, like, we, I wasn't 15, legal. I, was, I learned how to drive at 15 because I, I was taking yeah. my driving classes and everything. I didn't get my license until I was 16, but I was you know, driving way. around with my permit at 15. Yeah. yeah but I'm, I was from Canada, right? And of course it was a snowmobile. No, I was kidding. It was a car. Uh, but the, uh, but I was, uh, in Canada the same way you start driving when you're 15 and then you take your test when you turn 16 and you have a license like that day. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, okay. So now remember, remember when you first sat in a car for the very first time, not, not sat in a car when you first sat behind the, the wheel of a car. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. So I'm going to, so I, and I'll, I'll just kind of pull myself back to that day too, for a second. So, at that moment that I sat behind the wheel for the first time, I can't tell you how many times I'd been in cars, like my whole life, right? Hundreds of, hundreds of, maybe thousands of times. And I'd seen countless movies with cars in them and probably had played some video games that were driving games. So the whole concept of driving and the car and all that stuff, super familiar to me, and I'm sure it was to you as well, right? Do you remember the first like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, hour, whatever that was of the very first drive. Remember how crazy it was? Yes. Yes. It was right. so disorienting. Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do. How am I ever going to stay on top of all these in inputs? Yeah. And what is this? How do I there's mirrors yeah. and <laughs> things to click and feed. And, and, uh, I was in a your, your dad a having a heart attack next to you and oh yeah yeah you got a parent <laughs> screaming next screaming to you I was always I was ear. super handy <laughs> actually actually I should be careful on that one that that is not that my I did not have a parent screaming next to me my mom taught me to drive ah. and she was a really good teacher she was a really my mom taught me how to really drive did like she? really drive yeah I then promptly immediately failed my driving exam because they're <laughs> like I didn't know any of like the driving exam stuff. But she taught me how to actually drive, like in terms of like what to watch out for. Like I, it was, and so I, so then I, then I took like lessons from like the people who knew how to make you pass the test and kind of got through it that way. But, but the combination of my mom and the driving school was, I learned way more from my mom than the driving school, but it was, um, but she was, she was, she was great. But, but classically it's a screaming parent next to you. Uh, but yeah, it was like, remember how hard it was, right? Yes. And I, my younger daughter, my older daughter was she just went, she was demonstrating driving school and stuff. So it wasn't as big a deal, but my younger daughter, I did the first few lessons with her. And I remember her just being like, dad, I'll never figure out how to do this. Like I can't, it's too hard. And I'm like, you'll get there. Right. Okay. So the reason I'm telling that story is that that to me, oh, okay. So I got to do one more piece. So imagine that you've never driven. Okay. You're, you're before that you've had that first experience. And someone asks you to write a story about what it's like to drive. Okay? And you write a story based on the thousands of car rides you've been on, the video games you've played, and the movies you've seen. But never having actually driven, when someone read your first-person account of driving, 
as a non-driver, it wouldn't be super obvious because you'd have a lot of things right. But there'd be that faint feeling of something's missing. Mm-hmm. It's not quite right. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's just not, there's just, it's missing some element that I can't put my finger on, but it feels dishonest. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think this is the reason that so much marketing sounds dishonest. Uh, and the words feel like puffery mm-hmm. because it's someone who hasn't done a thing describing a thing. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is PC or not, but I, I had a, I had a boss who was, he was British and, uh, and he would, the way he would put that, he says, it's like, it's like a virgin describing sex. It is. It is. You know, you know, be right. yeah, it rem- you know what it reminds me of? When I, I had twins at, you know, 35 or 36 years old, I was, wow, I was so, I was so excited to have these twins. I took every single class, read every First single children book. or yes. Read every single book. Oh, I was like, wow. I'm going to nail this. They wheeled them in and I'm like, how much do I feed them? What do I, yeah. what do they wear? What, yeah. how often do I change their diet? Like I knew nothing about how oh to, God, that's how a to great parent. Story. And I was like, what do I do? You know, yeah. I, I had no idea. And it was, it was really a startling moment. Yeah. <laughs> so I was completely unprepared. Um, yeah. Parenting is a wonderful opportunity to demonstrate your own incompetence to yourself. Right. Yes, I mean, yeah. I remember the first time, like with the diapering there, I was like, uh, and like, the nurse is like, just put the diaper on. You can't break her. You know, but you're like, oh, I don't want to like break her. And it's like, oh my God. It's yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, so when you find this situation, so coach me up a little bit because I've, I've run into it enough times now. I'm just, I'm, I'm almost like got PTSD about it. Yeah. Um, how do you fix that issue on a team? I think I lead by example. Okay. And, and by yeah, that, that is, you know, I immerse myself in the product. One thing I have to do when I'm learning a product is I'll look at the demo, for example, or look at the product and I have to write everything down. I don't know why. Oh, okay. So I have to take notes on, you know, how well, there's a lot of research it. that writing, particularly like yeah. longhand, mm-hmm. yeah, does some kind of thing with the brain connection that you retain content yeah. more. And actually a lot of school systems are reverting back to longhand notes because they're finding that when you take the notes on a computer, you don't retain the content the same way as when you write it by longhand. Oh, that's interesting. really interesting. So, yeah. So yeah. I take those and then when I, I'll watch videos and other things and do the same thing. And then I pass on Annie's training. And hint, hint, oh. wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Okay. And, uh, well, I like know, that. Yeah. And then, you know, there's, there's fun things you can do. It's a little Smart. bit corny, but then um, doing a demo contest where, where everybody has to demo the product and, and someone yeah. wins a pretty cool prize. Uh, you can do that, like. you know, in different meetings or different things, like a hundred dollars Visa okay. gift card, you know? Okay. If you really want to up the ante, you could make it a $300 Visa gift card. Depending wow, okay. on what you're working with in terms of budget. <laughs> I want to work for you. This is great. I'll be well, winning those $300 yeah. cards every week. Yeah. So, you know, different <laughs> ideas just to get people inspired. And and yeah. one thing I did, I, I was in a job one time where we had sort of a, a shadow R&D because we had an acquisition. Um, so we had the, the the CTO and then sort of a shadow R&D. And there was, there was a little bit of a, there was a gap in product management. So yeah. I'm thinking... You know, I'm waiting for it, asking for it. I'm finally thinking, I've got to launch this thing and I'm never going to get it. 
I'm not going to get, you know, product notes or any of these things. So, so I came up with this idea of creating this product story. And um, what, what, I, what you do for it is you really get into the competitive landscape. You go out there, you find all the best elements um, that, that probably work because they've been market tested. That's, that's the leading message of your competitors, et cetera. So you sort of take those and you sort of munt them together with, with some of the unique value propositions that, that your product has. Maybe use an AI tool to kind of help you rewrite, rephrase, edit that. And, and I find, you know, starting with, you know, the problems that we're solving and, and how we solve them, how we solve them better, and then kind of going into features and functions and ending with benefits and whatever. So, so I, I sort of invented this product story approach for myself. Um, and what I found is, and I put passion into it. I mean, it's really like, I leave it all on the field. It's one of those things like I write it and it's like tiring and I'm putting my guts into it. And, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, it might take a week. Sometimes it's just two days. It'll be done and I'll be like, okay, I got it. And then when I give it to people, it's pretty inspirational and, and it, it interests them. And then that serves as sort of the, the foundational element to get people excited to learn more about the product. Uh, the other thing you can do is, is make your team wow. do your own videos, which is, have them pulling up the pro get get me screenshots. Well, how am I get into the product? Get screenshots. Let's 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 do our own videos. We don't need to outsource right. it. You know, five thousand dollars for thirty seconds. Let's use some right. of this this new software and build our own videos. And if you're in there thinking about the product and looking at it, how it works, and you look at a feature and you're like, well, this is what we're saying. Is this actually accurate? I'm looking at it. I don't know. Let me go talk to this customer. Let me go talk to this product dev. And, and you can start really refining what the product does. And sometimes you're going back to the head of R&D and saying, hey, you know what? We can actually do this or we're, we're, we're repositioning this because, because, you know, we realize it can do this. And sometimes you can discover, especially with technology today, new things your product can do that you didn't even know. So uh, that's, that's a little bit of, of an approach that I use. Wow. Have you ever thought of writing a book about this? I've thought about writing a book actually like like you could just take this what's the what's that company that we're working with randy is it scribe uh scribe media you ever heard of scribe media scribe media so what scribe media they have a book what's their book called i think they have an updated version book in a box or something um Book in a box, yeah. Oh no, I can't remember. Yeah, okay. So yeah, book in a box. Like, but but I think they've spelled normally, it. not like you and your company, my company. They actually use <laughs> normal English spelling of the word scribe. I could, maybe she called scriber. Uh, but anyway, so they they have this process where basically you just talk, and they make notes on it, and then they turn it into a book. And their point being that we can actually talk about things pretty easily. But if someone says, can you turn that into a written book? You're like, Oh my gosh, that's just a lot of time and energy. I don't have the time yeah. for that right now. So I'll get to it when I get to it. But you just, you've done the, you just did the first, you know, you just did the chapters and the, the opening introduction for the book right there. And, uh, you should turn that into a book. I think that the world could use that. Thank you know, you, it's Brad. like, I don't know what the title would be a good title. Randy or Randy's a really good title, but it'd be like, um, Something around using your own product. Know your product. Um, uh, drink your own champagne. We used you to say, I, I, remember at Microsoft, eat your own dog food. Eat your own dog food. <laughs> yeah. That's not very, that's that's something not very about though. Eat your dog food and wash it down with your own champagne or something. I don't know. Yeah, there's something I like that. the champagne part. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, so do you remember Judson Altoff? Did did you work with Judson at all? I I I know of him. I didn't work very closely with him. So he was he was at Oracle, and then he started at Microsoft in I can't remember exactly when, but 2012 or 13, something like that. And he was uh, president for the U.S. and I was I was in the U.S. company, and so uh, he came on board and he heard all of us talking about eating your own dog food at Microsoft, and he was like, "That sounds horrible." <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, that explains so many things to him suddenly about why Microsoft. And so then, so he kept trying to say, drink our own champagne, drink our own champagne, drink our own champagne. Mm-hmm. Never stuck. Never like, it's a good example of sometimes, sometimes yeah. you just can't change some parts of a yeah. culture. Yeah. But when I came to Sprinkler, I launched a campaign to get us to use our own product. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I called it, I didn't, what I did is I called the implementation Instead of drinking our own champagne, I just called the implementation champagne. Oh. And that's stuck. Straight to the point. It's stuck. Yeah. And we actually have an employee advocacy portal we call Rosé, which oh. kind of misses the point a tiny little bit, but that's okay. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> yes. it's, like people staying within the, uh, you know, the, the still spirits family. Right? Yeah. Um, but so Judson visited Sprinkler a couple of years ago. And, uh, and we were giving a, a tour of how we run our customer experience center and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and we were, we were walking around and one of the uh, community managers very proudly said to Judson, well, we run this obviously on Sprinkler using our own implementation and we call it champagne because we like to drink our own champagne. Mm. And Judson's standing right beside me, right? And he's, and he just really, really slowly, I, I for the people who are just listening to this, they won't be able to see this, but I'll describe it. I am standing next to him. He's standing next to me. And very slowly after he hears this person say this, just turns his head just like this about this speed, like just super slowly. <laughs> and then just sort of looks at me kind of like, oh, hello. And I was like, hey, it's a good idea. I just decide to steal it. So anyway, so I think... I think there's something really big here. I mean, I, I think you're onto something because like what you just described in terms of the process you go through and, um, mm-hmm. or for, I think, I think we're, I'm from Canada and you're from Minnesota. So I think we should see process, right? Yeah. We, yeah I, I, I'm I got honor, process I pretty much it. dialed in, but process feels so much more comfortable to yeah, me. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I consider myself an honorary Canadian. Uh, yeah, Minnesota, you are. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I'm very comfortable in Canada. When I'm at a grocery store, I'm not the only yeah. person saying, sorry, when I pass someone in an aisle. You know, yeah. when I'm at a four way stop sign in Canada and no one goes, I feel right at home. No, you go. No, you go. No, you go. Like, that's that's just how I roll. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That's that's two very good app descriptions of Canadians. Uh, yeah, no, it's always, Canadians are always a little like conflicted, I think, about the US, but never about Minnesotans. Yeah, no. We're always we're like, welcome. everyone's like, oh, really? You're from Minnesota? That's awesome. <laughs> everyone's totally cool with it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, all right, so um, so let's so let's keep going. So anyway, we'll we'll let's. I, I was I got to tell you, I enjoyed that so much, oh, and I had you. not, I had not thought through the specifics of the way you drove that transformation. Let me ask you one more question, actually, just while we're on this topic, because it's uh, you're obviously super deep on this. Um, one of the things that I also found sort of challenging were um, the there the people on the marketing team, but you know. It's surprisingly hard, 
even though they report to you. So, like, but let's, yeah, theoretically they do report to you and theoretically you should be able to drive that transformation. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah, I like the way you did it. You did it through inspiration and example, which is, which is really smart, but I've also found it to be reasonably complex and difficult and much less controlled amongst peers. So talk to me a little bit about that. How do you manage like peers who don't believe in it or, or how do you manage the fact that the IT team or the CTO team would be like, we don't have time to stand up a separate instance for you. There's a little bit of a cobbler's children kind of thing that happens sometimes in companies. It's the, or the finance team, which wants to charge you a million bucks a year because that's the their, your usage on it. How do you deal with that kind of stuff in order to kind of bring them on board and have them support you? Well, it's, it's, it's a long game. <laughs> Okay. Okay. It's a long no, game. I'm feeling, I'm feeling so much better right now. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. No, it's, it's, yeah. If you had you, said, oh yeah, it's super duper easy. And <laughs> no, these are my three steps. I think I, uh-huh. I have no. to like leave for a minute. It, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a really long game. And I think that, that you have to sort of bring them along the journey. So when mm-hmm. you go and ask them, Hey, do you have this? Can I use this? And they say no. And so you have to go out and sort of Jimmy rig it as, as we would say, one would say, which is just sort of make it happen. Um, you, you would go back then and show them and get their input along the way. And, and what I find is, you know, hey, what do you think of this product story? Do you sign off on it? Therefore, even mm. though they, necessar- they weren't necessarily part of the process, you're, you're being gracious and, and you're, you're allowing them to be part of the process along the way. And you're okay. taking them along the journey. And when it's successful, which when you're very close to your product and you're, you're, you know, hopefully you're choosing the company you work for because you're inspired by what you're going to be selling, uh, uh, if you take them along that journey and then they see the success, they're going to be more likely to give you what you need. They're going to be more likely to work with you to build that community program, to invest in that community por- portal, to, 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 to do more uh, uh, formal customer advisory councils or set up a true mm-hmm. advisory board to stop developing products inside out and start developing them outside in with customer feedback and not just saying, oh, this one customer said this thing, we've got to develop that and doing it in a more holistic, meaningful way where you're aggregating that feedback. And, and I think that it's, it, it's kind of like the lines are, are, are across product and technology and sales and marketing are all sort of blurring. And I think if you can really uh, be a spearhead for that, people will see that it works and they'll, get, they'll start getting more inspired and, and they're going to want to join your effort. Okay, well, you do kind of have a one, two, three on that, so I am a little bit depressed right now. But that was really awesome. Okay. <laughs> okay. Boy, I am I am getting schooled today. This is so fantastic. It's one of the things I love about doing this. I love meeting new people, and I love hearing like hearing these kinds of stories, and just like my head's spinning right now, thinking about how I could do things better. So that's great. Okay, thanks, Andy. So let's switch. I'm just trying to bit. figure out how I get on the Disney podcast. Um, I think we can set that up, right, Randy? <laughs> I think that to, we can I'll get a whole study Disney and thing. I, I love Disney, so there's nothing I'd rather study. So, do you have an annual pass? I don't, but oh, you know, okay. But I, I'd well, be I open do. to it. I'd love to. <laughs> I have, uh, I have. They're they have been very hard to get. I have, yeah. I have an annual pass which I just recently got back. I lost it for a few years because during the pandemic they weren't issuing them, and my uh, I was I was moving and. The renewal went to the wrong address. It's like a long story, and I kind of accidentally missed renewing my annual pass. <gasps> all back under control now. But Thank annual God. pass is really compelling because you just have to like find a hotel nearby, and then you've got like 
like a whole as much time as you want in the parks. Yeah. It's really, it, it's like, it really changes your mindset about just zipping in. You know, so it doesn't become like a big thing. Like you just kind of, well, let's, let's, let's just go over. Anyway, I, I, I read, so, a, um, I read an article about this guy that, that lived yeah. only on Disney food, um, for like a year and, and like, cause he got a season's pass and he just lived on Disney food and he actually saved a lot of money. So <laughs> there are some well, people I, that are really, <laughs> you know, when I, friends. when I was in California, uh, I, I sold the company and just took a year off. And I, I went 300 straight days into Disneyland. Wow. Every you day really for 300 days. I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just ate Disney food. So it was very cheap year. Very cheap year. <laughs> it was weird. After maybe about two weeks, cast members started coming up to me and they started greeting me by name. Really? These were people I'd never met. Wow. And at first I thought, what an amazing customer experience. Disney's so awesome, right? And it was actually an amazing customer experience. And I'd hang out with the uh, piano player at the top of Main Street. And, and I'd go to all these like carts and you know, buy water or popcorn. And everyone's like, hey, Grad, how's it going? I didn't have a name tag or anything on. Yeah. Hey, Grad, how's it going? I'd be chatting with them. And I was alone and I was very lonely. And so it was very, um, it was great. I just, I just had all these friends. And then... I was telling someone about how great Disney is and and they're like, dude, like, why do you think they're doing that? I'm like, I don't know, because it's the world's greatest company. They're like, <laughs> well, yes, but like, don't you know why they're doing that? I'm like, I, I, I was so, like, I'm often like this. I'm a little naive generally. And I think it's probably helpful, I think, sometimes in marketing. And I said, I don't know, what, what are they doing? I said, okay, so you're like this single white guy in your thirties in the park every single day. What are you doing there? I'm like, I'm just like walking around, looking at people sitting down, going on a ride once in a while. Like, but what, what are they thinking? Like you're obviously a pickpocket or you're trying to abduct someone or, or there's something wrong with you. Right? So your picture is up in the staff room. And, and and this guy was who lived near the park was like, I don't know anyone else who's do, doing what you're doing. So there's probably not a lot of pictures up there. Your picture, front center, is right up there with your name, Grad Con, underneath it. And they're like, don't let this person feel like he's anonymous. Oh, my God. That's- right? And, and I was like, oh, my God, you're right. That's exactly what's going on. They're making sure that I, that I, they, that I know that they're watching me. <laughs> like, yeah. Now, the good news is I actually I had no nefarious motives. I was literally there to walk in Walt's footstep, footsteps. I was trying to recover. I was, it was a little bit of a Disney recovery, and I was yeah. trying to kind of just get my head back on straight. It had been a really rough about eight year run of multiple startups. I was just burned out. Yeah. Right. And so, but so I, I just leaned right into it. Like I, I mean, we'd be like singing, holding shoulder to shoulder, <laughs> hanging out with the barbershop quartet. Like I had the best time. <laughs> and, and it was like, and they all did too. Cause they, they're all, I'm sure they're going back to their bosses. And like, this guy's not dangerous. He's totally fine. He's yeah, just, he's, I don't he's, know, okay. he's a burned out tech executive. He's a burned out <laughs> he's, yeah. yeah. He, you know what? And the food at Disney is good. It was excellent. Yeah. It's really yeah. good I food. basically had taco salad every single day. Yeah. I, I I was like, it was a year of taco salads, basically. Um, I was thinking we did talk about Disney. Okay, so now uh, let's talk about 
So we were talking a little bit about Disney and Imagineering, and I kind of think that we started treading towards AI and other tech that's in marketing. So there is some pretty amazing stuff. And, you know, we use AI, obviously, at Sprinkler because, you know, we're pulling in about 400 million different data feeds. And so to make sense of that, you got to know, are they talking to me? What do they want from me? And then how do I get my agents more effective to respond to them? So that's kind of how we're using it. But AI is sort of everywhere now. And I'd love to hear your point of view on AI. Where's your head on it? And then where's your team on it? And again, I, I think I think I may have, I think I may understand one of your superpowers, which must, I think is getting other people, convincing other people to do things that are new and transformative. So I want to hear your story there as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, AI. Uh, I, I am, you know, someone that appreciates sci-fi. Um, I, 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 especially, we got, so got to hang out more. I, I know I, I like sci-fi. I, I can really explore it. You know, during, during when COVID hit, I went through this whole post-apocalyptic sci-fi phase and it wasn't negative. I was just exploring the idea yeah. just to get comfortable. Okay. I mean, I never knew, but, um, anyways, you have a favorite, favorite, uh, Oh my gosh. I don't know. It depends huh. upon my mood. Sometimes I like like a matrix, you know, lots yeah. of uh, interaction, lots of action music, lots of graphics. And sometimes I'll, I like the really spare. What's the one Brad Pitt did where he's all alone and um, you know, the bleak. So, so I, 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 it depends upon my mood. I really don't discriminate with sci-fi. Like uh, um, have you ever seen the umbrella Academy? I want, it's on my list. Is it good? Oh, oh, I've just, I've just given you a deep gift there. Really? You got a real gift there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Yeah, that's right up your <sighs> alley. You. And now, and then the very first book I read, that was like the very first dystopian book I read, which has never been made into a movie, but it's really a great book is Canticle for Leibowitz. Have you ever read that? Mm, no. Yeah. You can probably get it for like a dollar now. Cause <laughs> it's, it was published a long time ago, like in the fifties, I think, or early sixties, but Canticle for Leibowitz. It's a, it's, it's like the first dystopian end of the world science fiction novel, kind of right at the height of the cold war. Um, worthy, worth reading, but, um, man. Okay, great. Oh, this is awesome. All right. So, so you're into all this. So sci-fi, that sort of pushes yeah. you like start thinking about how do we apply sci-fi to marketing? Yeah. And so, so our product uses AI too. So we have something called tone of voice, you know how, and this, this, this goes back to to marketing. So, you know, this, the brand and style guide, and you have a voice that you want to capture for your business. And so, so we, you know, we use a a machine learning algorithm to help us um, help customers kind of select their tone of voice. Like, let's say you want to be joyful and then the level of joy that you want to express. So, so that's one of the things that drew me to the business is just that they are, and that, you know, we are on a, a, a low code, no code journey. We do use low code, no code in our software as well. So, so that drew me to whisper how, so I think it's good to use products that incorporate AI simply because they're often the most innovative products. So when it, when it comes to my day-to-day work, I use AI, AI writers all the time. And I'm not just talking Grammarly. Grammarly is like, you know, Grammarly Pro, I love it. I, I, it's a mm-hmm. great tool. I still use it, but but I get excited by things like Outright, where you have content rephrasing. You know, it, it helps you create an optimized uh, LinkedIn post. 
Uh, there's also SEMrush. I get excited playing around in SEMrush and sticking a, one, yeah. a blog in there and figuring yeah. out how to how to optimize it for SEO. Um, so there's a number of, of tools that I use uh, for AI because I, I like to go pretty quickly and I'm always looking for ways to cut corners, right? Um, so that I have more time awesome. to think and figure everything out. You know, if I'm if I'm constantly executing, then I'm not very innovative. I'm not very creative. And, and my, you know, I come from. My mother was an artist. She was a painter. She was uh, a sculptor. She was she sewed. She she did everything. She was truly an artist. Nice. Um, and uh, so we were always at the museum. And you know, I have a real appreciation for art. I can't paint. I can't draw. But I'll go to a museum and I'll see a painting and it will affect me emotionally. Or I love theater. I love ballet. I love opera. I love all of the art. So so for me, I you know, being creative in my work is sort of my my engine. So, you know, coming up with new ideas and new angles. And creativity can take a lot of different forms. And I feel like mm -hmm. AI, because it accelerates um, getting things done and helps us. Uh, meet our objectives faster. That gives me more time to 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 incorporate creativity into my work. Uh, That's very yeah. cool. How do you so how do you drive it into the rest of the team? So again, by example, I think is what you're saying here right now. But just how do you get AI to be something yeah. that's a well used tool it. by everyone? I demo it. You what demo I do it. is I'll okay. say, "Hey, all right, give me a give me a, a blog that we need to do," and then. I'll, I'll enter that in and then it'll generate a title. Okay. Which, which of these titles do you like? They'll pick the title. All mm. right. Next. Okay. Let's take the title and let's go over to this tool and generate the article intro. Okay. Which intro do you like? We read all of them. That's pretty good. Well, let's edit that a little bit. Then let's stick the intro and, and the, and the, and the title into the tool and let's just draft the whole article. And then I'll say, how much time could that save you? And you know, these are people that have written for a long time and they're always like, Holy smokes. I have run across some purists that are like, I've got all the words yeah. in my head. I don't want to do this. And that's pretty rare though. Most people, most writers are like, thank God, I, you know, this is such a, this is a lifesaver. Thank you. And then they, they adopt it and incorporate it. Um, and, uh, you know, use it because it saves them time. Wow. You are, you are an amazing example of a 21st century CMO. Thank you. Yeah. You are you are awesome. That Thanks. is so great. <laughs> that is really great. You know, I actually, cause like what's, what's interesting about the way you're talking generally is that you're, and I think there's this inevitable blurring that's happening in marketing because mm -hmm. marketing's for some reason as a function has always been very like, that's the person who does this and that's the person who does that. It's like been very sort of set up. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's always a challenge. Like the person who does email leaves, so you got to find another email yeah. person and, and I think what, what's happening is that those are, those lines are blurring and mm -hmm. we're all just trying to sell stuff Yeah. and, and we all need to understand the product and then be able to quickly explain it to others is mm -hmm. that essentially is what marketing is. Yeah. In a, in a, in a, in a, in a gorgeous, engaging way and right. in a way that means something to them. Right. So, so a big part of it is not just knowing the product, but it's really knowing your customer really understanding so, their problems. Well, this has been really inspiring, Annie. I, Thank uh, you. I, I just, I am, I am blown away by, um, by everything you're doing. And like I said, I would love you to put that product stuff into a book. I'll be the first customer. Thank uh, you. That's you know, so kind. Log it mercilessly on the, on the mm -hmm. show and through the company. So, um, uh, but anyway, it was really, really great. Anything 
we're going to close now. So mm-hmm. um, I'll basically I'll ask you for any last thoughts, and then I'll thank you, and then I'll do like the little kind of out on it, and then and then we'll be done. But just before I do that, you know, any any last thoughts or anything else you just kind of want to land, or anything you want to say about Whisper in terms of people checking it out or going yeah, to see I mean- the site. Whisper is really an incredible business. Um, we have a, a real, a true commitment to diversity. You know, half of the ELT are women. We've got, a, you know, 15% of our, our employee base is LGBTQ community. Um, so we're not just, nice. we have a, we have awesome. a, a really amazing um, philanthropic approach where we help um, other, you know, help people. Uh, so, so, uh, and it's really built into our DNA. So it's a great culture. Um, and I think, I think people care about buying from companies now that, 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 that embrace these, these philosophies and, and have these great cultures. So, uh, you know, definitely check it out. You know, if you're looking for Omni, the best omni-channel communications platform, you know, that really cares about, uh, quality, uh, and, and the beauty of design, all of our templates are really beautiful. Um, you know, we'd love to talk to you. Fantastic. Well, Annie, thank you very, very much. That was wonderful. And I learned a ton and I cannot wait to read the book. So uh, I'm going to close out now uh, for, um, for Whisper, CMO at Whisper, uh, Annie Wisner. Um, by the way, how, how old are your twins now? They are 14. <laughs> oh, I had two teenagers on one day. So yeah. Okay. No, they're so, good kids. They're very sweet. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, so, but probably a lot harder to that probably now the baby stuff's probably not looking so hard after all. No. <laughs> different talks now, different conversations. Well, congratulations. We'll do that in another podcast. Yeah. Uh, that was great. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> Annie Wister, CMO at Whisper. Uh, and for the Unified CXM Experience, I'm Grad Khan, CXO at Sprinkler. And we'll see you next time. And thank you, Annie.